Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are you feeling today? Good. Ready for Turkey Day? You know, they say everybody's heard of Black Friday, but have you heard of Brown Friday? Oh, yes. Uh, the busiest profession in the year, the day after Thanksgiving, is what? Plumbers, actually. <laughs> we all know why. 61% of Americans say they want no politics at Thanksgiving. Well, for the other 39, welcome to the Wake Up America show. It's time to talk turkey. Joe Biden screws up the turkey pardon ceremony. He screws up everything as he passes his 81st birthday this week. Operation Bubble Wrap is being deployed by the Democrats to protect him as more and more fear Joe Biden's just not fit to be able to get through the campaign next year. You're going to need a whole lot of bubble wrap. Well, there'll be a lot laying around after Christmas. We'll talk about that this morning at the top of the show. A lot of people missed my interview with the American Shaman yesterday. Sorry. We had some technical problems, but I always record everything on my end in case stuff like that happens. So if we have great interviews, you don't have to miss them. I'll replay our American Shaman interview this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central. Oh, yes. Oh, don't thank me yet. We'll see how the Internet treats us today. At 8 o'clock this morning, we're going to speak to Camelia Peterson. Everybody loves CJ. She's going to talk to us about Elon Musk going to war with the Media Matters organization, a leftist activist outfit that wrote hit pieces on him claiming that he's an anti-Semite, leading to a drastic drop in advertising dollars going to formerly Twitter, now x.com. We'll talk about that this morning with Camelia Peterson and maybe a few other topics as well. See if we can make her blush because that's the fun part, right? At 8.30 a.m. this morning, we're going to speak to Jack Hunter, which we haven't spoken to in a while, an old friend of mine. Why do they keep calling Javier Malay, the newly elected anarcho-capitalist libertarian president of Argentina, a far right? Why do they keep calling him Trump-like or far right? Is Javier Malay really like Trump? Is he really far right? What the hell do these terms even mean? We're going to hear from Jack Hunter this morning on that topic. We're going to have a great show today, and you don't want to miss it. Don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If it's your first time here watching this morning, we'll be grateful to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And for those of you who are watching us for the very first time, just an FYI, you don't know the schedule this week, perhaps, uh, I will be out Thursday and Friday for Thanksgiving. Oh. Uh, yes, I do have a life. So Thursday and Friday, Brown Friday, I'm going to be making it brown, taking you to Brown Town. Uh, I'll be taking Friday off because I'm a human being, not a robot, and we will be... Uh, enjoying my our day off and then i've already got my new year's resolution which is uh in january so after christmas holiday i don't know if you're already thinking about this but this one's going to be the most boring one ever for me because it's just going to be lose some weight because i might i i am the fattest i have ever been no, yes god no, it's true. God, please, no. You? no i know no i know 250 no. pounds can you believe it or gross do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and think, why oh, are you so fat? Why are you so fat? Oh, God, you're so disgusting. I need a puke one, right? Uh, but it's time. It's time to start losing weight. Time to start turning this ship around. 
and I know exactly what to do, and that is just stop eating. <laughs> stop eating all that. But I'm not going to stop drinking my delicious Founding Flavors coffee. For those of you who know, Martha's Mint Coffee is available for a limited time at ap4libertyshop.com. So don't forget to grab yourself a bag before it's gone, because once Christmas hits, it's over. Floby Tenderson says squats and push-ups. My brother, my friend, my brother in Christ, I do so many uh, exercises. You have no idea how hard I work out. And so I'm the strongest I've ever been. I could beat your ass, Floby Tenderson, but mostly the easiest way to, to defeat you would just be to sit on you because I've got a huge ass. It's giant. It's huge. How dare you? All I have to do is just, you know. Pop a squat and <laughs> you're dead. Uh, David Lee says, I stopped drinking and lost 100 pounds. Yeah, definitely. The beer is not helping. All right, everybody, shut up. Let's talk about the <laughs> tough talk about my weight and let's start talking about the news. What do you say? Uh, the Wake Up America show brought to you by you. Thank you so much for supporting us and texting into the show. You can text the show anytime, night or day, actually, because I love getting the uh, text messages in the evening sometimes. And I respond at 573 573- 319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. We'd love to hear from our listeners anytime, night, or day. Let us know what's on your mind. Okay, what's new? What oh Joe Biden. Did you see him like did he poop his pants during the uh turkey uh pardoning? So he got up there and he started talking at the uh turkey pardon ceremony. Hold on. Let's uh, take a look at a listen here to Joe Biden from, oh my God, Austin, did you really not prepare this? This is one of these days I'm actually going to be able to afford a producer who will stick around and do a good job. Hold on, watch this. Let me do this in real time. You get to see the behind the scenes stuff here. Joe Biden, Chrome browser, Joe Biden, boom, look at that in real time. There it is. Take a listen. Just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds, the competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. What the hell? Now just to- okay, he's talking about the turkeys that got pardoned. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Get Joe. Here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. Liberty and to- Bell. Okay, so these are the turkeys we're partnering. They had to beat some tough work odds. Work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. Okay, we're there. Say, we're with you so far, Mr. President. What else you got? Even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in. Holy God! What the hell is going on? It would be sad. Oh, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Good morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. Thank you for joining us here. I'm going to sound like Joe Biden here for a moment. But I think he pooped his pants because after that speech, watch this. Here's the commander in chief. This is why it pays to watch the live show, uh, not just to listen to the audio later, although we do love our audio listeners later, of course, just saying. Here's the president. Here he is. Abruptly leaves the turkey pardon ceremony. Kind of half jogs back inside. Got to change the dighty. Yeah, and so from another angle here, you can see Mr. President, he kind of like makes this face like, oh my God, that's the biggest turd I've ever dropped in my pants. There he is. Oh! And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap. Gotta go get the wet wipes. 
What's going on? All right. If it wasn't two planes running into towers, then I would expect that uh, if there was some national security question, uh, then I think that Mr. President pooped his pants. Here he is. The cake is America right now. See President Biden for his 81st birthday. Uh, looks like the cake is entirely on fire. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. President. 81 years old. There he is. I like this. The cake is <laughs> the cake is America right now, and it is pretty much fully on fire. Uh, Bill Maher doesn't think that uh, the president of the United States has got a chance at re-election. Take a listen to this. Democrats like David Axelrod calling for Biden to, quote, get out or get going. Did he say that? Get out or get going? Uh, I believe in the tweet or two and some stuff. Look, mm, people who think that Joe Biden is, is, is perhaps too old, they are right. Perhaps. <laughs> don't, don't spill the water. Something might come out of it. Uh, <laughs> what? Democrats have lost their damn minds. And, you know, everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said, and, I've, and, you know, so so Betty White lived to be 99. No. Mick Jagger is still twisting his ass. Mr. Right. No, I have been the one making that case. We should run. We should have Mick Jagger run for president. Here, against ageism. I always said it's a case by case basis. It's but, a case by But case. for that argument to have teeth. It all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before. Do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old. And perception is reality. Prominent. Oh, yeah. God, what a great way to start a Tuesday. Today is November the 21st. 2023 we're talking about joe biden and his ability to and his fitness to run for office uh, it's not often that i find myself agreeing with communist oliver stone but he sat down with bill maher to have a conversation about president biden take listen to what he had to say for certain people so it worked i've, I've taken it i i did he's, he's talking about ivermectin it worked for COVID 19 is what he's saying and i you know and they they really said no you can't take ivermectin and whatever and the other things so it's it's the law the concept of authoritarian government that is really bothering me and i think it bothers you this authoritarian yes of sure course it does. biden From, saying well you know we got to take the vaccine you you know and you have yes it. that that's one form of it um i would say the form that trump is threatening us with is even worse Trump derangement syndrome. Jeez. He's got worse than Camellia. And, and which is what? Well, I mean, he doesn't oh, the whole concede thing. elections. You know, the elections only count if we win. He's got to go back to that every time he goes back to that old dry well because he's Theory got nothing else. Uh, okay. Well, come on. You know, Trump has he still has not conceded the election. He has not conceded. He he does not honor the. OK, I mean, do you know for a fact that uh, he he lost? I'm just curious. Okay. You're going to make I, me... I, I, I just don't know all the facts because... Okay. Well, I do. About, is, is there a conspiracy theory you don't believe? <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> Probably not, right? Oh, God, that's funny stuff. Uh, I love listening to these clips here. Here's Joe Biden having a conversation with a six-year-old kid. And I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. What's your name? Catherine. What a beautiful name. That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. How old are you? 17? Six. Jesus, Joe, no! 
Keep him away from the children. Keep him away from the children. I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. How old are you? 17. No, no. God. No, God. No, God, please, no. No. Unless no! you think that that is no! just a one-off for the president, always oh, just being cute, talking to a little girl. Need need I remind you that I have this soundbite ready to go from another incident like this? I'm looking at her. She looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there with her, like a little lady in a race car. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Uh, so disgusting. <laughs> If you want to text the show today, you can at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Don't forget, as you're making your way in and filing in and sitting down and watching us, that you click the like button and subscribe to the channel. Uh, David Lee says 10. 10 would have been appropriate. I'm not sure about that. Maggie1874 says he's so gross. It's true. And welcome, Maggie. Nice to meet you. Steffi says he wishes she was 17. Are we sure about that? Pittsburgh's uh, kid says Hunter and Joe banging horse and funding wuss. <laughs> Very funny Pittsburgh kid. You're my new favorite friend. Well, a new Quinnipiac University poll finds that more than 60% of Americans want to avoid political discussions during Thanksgiving gatherings this year. According to the poll, 61% are hoping to steer Thanksgiving conversations away from politics. 29% are uh, looking forward to those discussions at the table. So uh, I don't know about you, but the the nice thing is I used to kind of dread it. I used to worry about the um, I used to worry about the conversations uh, at our uh, Thanksgiving dinners. And this year we have my mother-in-law who, you know, she's really not super into politics or anything like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't like really just start a conversation with her. It's at Christmas time when like my immediate family gets together where, you know, conversations about politics might have gone awry in previous years where my dad is more conservative and I was libertarian, right-leaning libertarian. And my brother, Justin was a center left, you know, what you might call a soft liberal. But since my brother has now become based and red pilled and my sister, sister is a Latina, so obviously based and red-pilled at birth, uh, we all basically now mostly agree on the big issues. So it's, I mean, we're not like a hive mind or anything like that. We have like little disagreements perhaps here and there, but now the Peterson family is like the font of red-pilling these days. So now it's kind of fun when we get together because we don't have to worry that my brother's going to be like, well, Hillary Clinton has a few good points, perhaps. He's going to be like, uh, I'm voting for Donald Trump. The left is insane. We have to bring down the institutions, take down the government, and elect a Javier Malay-styled president here in the United States. Am I right? And I'm like, Justin, you've gone too far. And I just want to say, too, that this is kind of a funny story, but uh, my wife, Stephanie, has become very based and red-pilled lately. I was just thinking about this conversation that I watched on Gavin McInnes' show, Censored TV, and or uh, I can't remember what his own uh, show is that he does uh, on his own, what it's called. But I watched Gavin McInnes a lot, and he was talking about his wife and just women in general. When you when you red pill uh, your wives or your girlfriends, it's funny because they will frequently go 
they'll they'll like take it not too far, but they just they take it and they run with it once they get red pilled. So like they may be like soft, maybe they're not so into politics or they're not like, you know, as informed about certain issues here and there. But once they like get up to speed and once you kind of red pill them, I just remember watching this conversation where Gavin was like, you got to kind of like rein them in a little bit because they just they go wild and crazy. And like Stephanie has been kind of surprising me lately with some of her based and red pilled takes recently because this whole Israel Gaza conflict has really opened up her eyes to some of the realities of the world as people are calling for gassing the Jews and her mother is worried about you know living in the Jew a Jewish neighborhood or like being a Jew in public things like that start to make you think well you have to worry about your safety just for whatever your identity is it it starts to make you question and wonder about reality and it's funny because obviously many of the leftists that are out there now uh, who obviously uh, have made humongous mistakes in supporting the left. Many Jewish Democrats uh, are going to go home for the holidays this year and are going to have conversations about like, uh, maybe uh, maybe I spoke with the rabbi the other day and um, maybe we should pull the funding from the local university. Uh, maybe maybe it was a mistake for us to, to support these people. They want to they kill us. They want to they chop off our heads. They want to give our babies. They want to light us on fire. They want to gas the Jews. Never again. Maybe it's time for us to... Be based in red pilled, and maybe we maybe we should have voted for Austin Peterson in Missouri. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Stephanie, who's here with us right now, says, "I enjoy being red pilled about dating issues, mostly." Very good. I love it, Stephanie. <laughs> Nick Andy says, uh, uh, "Vanderfeld says me and my aunt bought matching sweatshirts from AP for Liberty Shop." unvaccinated and ready to talk politics and we're wearing them to christmas yes Sloby tenderson says just my wife and kids this year no politics will be spoken at all unless our server has blue hair my eight-year-old will definitely be giving some side eye and calling them out ugh another libtard <laughs> So what about you? Politics at Thanksgiving. Are you going to have these conversations over the holidays? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, let us know. 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at any time, uh, Monday through Friday, or actually just pretty much any time. 573-319-1586 is a text line. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. We'd love to uh, uh, have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday. Um, Maggie1874 says, why do Jews vote Democrat? I don't get it. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with this um, misunderstood notion, Maggie, of what right and left really is, which is why I'm really excited to have Jack Hunter on my show later today, an hour from now about. We're going to speak to Jack Hunter because they keep calling Javier Malay far right. He's far right. He's far right. And so the question is, you know, I think left and right are sort of, um, it's kind of a false binary, right? Where it's a heads I win, tails you lose situation. When they get us into these sort of left-right conversations, it's a lot easier to control the dialogue or control the debate, right? Because the uniparty obviously wants us to think that the Democrats and the Republicans at the top are really, very, you know, are very different when in reality they at the top especially now there's a lot of differences on the state level between republicans and democrats but on the federal level there's not a whole lot of difference between the republicans and democrats it's kind of like professional wrestlers right they go out they pretend like they're bad guys and then they you know they shake hands behind the uh, the curtains 
But in regards to why Jews vote Democrat, I think it's because they they have been told for years that right wing fascist Nazis are anti-Semites. And that's a feature of the right. And they believed that liberals and leftists uh, were more pro-Jew because they had a more open liberal view of things like race and ethnicity and culture. But that has changed. You know, even accepting the definition of Nazis as right wing, which I could quibble with, let's say if we were to give that to the professors and the teachers who have been indoctrinating us all for years, if we were to give them that, well, then you have to admit that the left has changed dramatically uh, and that the pro-Islam wing of the Democratic Party uh, is very clearly anti-Semitic, very clearly anti-Israel, very clearly anti-Jew, and has becoming more and more so as Islamic theism has infiltrated the Democratic Party through Ilhan Omar, through Rashida Tlaib, Right, the squad, AOC, and others, right, this free Palestine movement, it's very, very anti-Israel, and of course, it's also anti-Semitic as well. So I think a lot of Jewish Democrats who are maybe center-left, maybe more like the, the type of people like my brother is, right, soft liberals, right, not woke leftists, if you will, um, might be reevaluating their political alignment in the coming years. And, you know, I certainly hope to see that. But I don't necessarily expect it. It's it's very hard to get people to get out of their binary thinking. It's very difficult. And most of the time, like my strategy is always because I always know that my political beliefs and views, even within my own people of, as libertarians, are is I'm a minority of a minority of a minority and more minority. So I'm very used to dealing with being a um uh, as a rabid individualist, I'm fine with it. But for example, you know, in my debate with comedian Dave Smith a couple of weeks ago, um, right, the great hordes of of angry anarchists were opposed to me and to what I was saying. But my goal was not to try and win over all of the crowd. My goal has always been to chip away. Uh, at a small number of people to get two or three or four or five or 10 or 15 or 20, depending on the crowd size, to come over to my side and to win this war that uh, of ideas that we're waging through attrition. Uh, and over the years, I have been very successful in this strategy because I cannot tell you how many times over the years I've been contacted by people who have said, Austin, you know what? I used to hate you. I used to hate, I used to think you were smug and smarmy and cocky and arrogant and egotistical. And I did, I disagreed with you. But now as the years have gone on and I've started to consider things, Austin, I've started to note that you were correct. And would you please unban me on Instagram or something like that? <laughs> I was being annoying. And so through this war of attrition that I fight with my ideals, knowing that I am uh, that I am a small minority, I continue to build and build and build until hopefully one day the ideas that I espouse, limited government, constitutionalism, republicanism, libertarianism, freedom, free markets, capitalism, freedom of movement, freedom of people, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all these ideals that I champion, which is really to some extent liberalism, as Ludwig von Mises described it, the, the last night of liberalism that these ideas will be not only ascended, but eventually triumphant, a la Javier Malay of Argentina. And so my hope is, is that the Jewish Democrats who see how the left has turned into a woke movement of hive mind collectivists, is that some of these Jewish Democrats will begin to 
uh, win by attrition. Uh, so essentially the idea is, is that we win, you know, a, you don't win a war in one giant battle. You win it by fighting little battles here and there. When you're outnumbered, you use the strategy of Sun Tzu, attack the enemy where they're weak, not where they're strong. So Niferim says, Dave might identify as libertarian, but I think he's always been a leftist. Well, I think the problem is with the, um, to some extent, you're correct, right? He's not a leftist in, in economics uh, or in social policy, to my understanding, although we've never heard Dave uh, articulate a, uh, an immigration policy. And he does believe in a two-state solution, which I find fascinating for an anarchist. But the idea of leftism from the foreign policy perspective is correct, right? What, what really is the difference between Oliver Stone and Dave Smith when it comes to foreign policy? What really is the difference between Noam Chomsky or, um, or the Ron Paul Institute uh, when it comes to foreign policy? There's not much, right? There's not much daylight between these uh, uh, woke libertarian foreign, uh, foreign policy woke libertarians and the left, right? The Howard Zinn view of history. It's a Marxist view uh, of history. It's a woke view of history. Uh, and I can back that up with some facts. But anyways, it's something that we're going to talk about a little bit more with my buddy Jack Hunter when he comes to join us here at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. If you're just tuning into the show, good morning. Nice to see you all. Happy Turkey Week. Did you guys see my founding flavors coffee here? Martha's Mint. It's so damn good. It's so damn good. And it's only available for a limited time. So today's a good day to get your order in at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Get yourself some of that delicious Martha's Mint coffee. And it comes in a really beautiful little bag. And you see that little hole that's in the top there, right? That's what helps keep it fresh. So the thing about coffee is that it, uh, when, it's, when it breaks down, it releases gases. So since you don't want your coffee to explode, it has these little one-way valves in the coffee that the um that the uh, the valve will allow the uh, the gases to release, but it won't let any oxygen in. So you can see right there, that is what's going to help keep your coffee fresh. So it's going to keep oxygen from getting inside from to avoid further breakdown, but the coffee that's inside will stay nice and fresh in our delicious bags of Founding Flavors Coffee, Martha's Mint. Can, let me see if I can grab the bag there and read it to you from the top because we write these these lovely little notes on them here. Introducing Martha's Mint, blending the timeless charm of the first first lady with the holidays season's magic. This naturally flavored peppermint coffee, like the soft mint hues inside Mount Vernon. If you've never been to Mount Vernon, it's got these mint uh, uh, paint on the walls. It's very pretty. It's an invitation to savor history and festivity. Elevate your cup by blending with milk and sweetener or adding a dash of chocolate sauce. That's my favorite, adding chocolate sauce. Absolutely delicious. There we go. Uh, Pits. All right, we're live again. Did you enjoy that interview with the America Shaman? Good morning. Are there really 666 people watching us live right no! now? Oh, God. God! No, God, We need one please, more person no! to join the stream, no! please. Okay, no! I can't be having that hex on me. All right, devil, get out. 
Not today, Satan. Not today. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Thank you for joining us here. Don't forget to click like. And if you're enjoying the content that you're watching this morning, I know for many of you, it's your very first time here. So subscribe to the channel here at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty and come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show is a great way to start your day. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. If you've been following that guy down in South America, Javier Malay, who just won the presidency down there and thought to yourself, I like that guy. That's what I'm all about. Well, you're in the right place. This is basically Javier Malay TV, except we speak English. We're in the United States and we wish we had a Javier Malay here. We'll take Donald Trump next year. What do you say, guys? Good enough? Good enough? Yeah. It'd be great. It's nice to see so many people joining us here on the show, and I am so grateful and thankful to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page, because I know that's where all these viewers and listeners are coming from. Can we give it up for Rumble? Yo, what's up, Rumble? I'm so happy to have you all here today joining us. Be happy 731 says they're up early today, so they're here. Well, glad to have you. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. We like to talk about politics and news, but as we get a little bit closer to the holiday season, I do switch it up a little bit, starting to lighten the mood and talk about things that are, I don't know, it is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Or is that the day after Thanksgiving? Oh, by the way, did you know that the day after Thanksgiving is called Brown Friday? Apparently plumbers are the busiest profession the day after the holiday. I just learned that this week. So uh, if you're enjoying the show today, don't forget to click like and subscribe. And of course, you can text the show anytime, night or day. Let us know what's on your mind and let us know if you'd like to have me share your thoughts by sending in a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 to text the show. We still got lots more great content to go. Camelia Peterson is going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk to her about the lawsuit that Elon Musk is filing against Media Matters for their hit piece on him and referring to him as a raging anti-Semite. That'll be at 8 a.m. here in about 15 minutes. And then we're going to hear from Jack Hunter at 8.30 a.m. to talk about why the media keeps calling Javier Malay far right. What does that even mean? Jack Hunter will join us this morning at 8.30. It's going to be a great show. So stick around. All right. Uh, this story is just fun and I, it's perfect for, uh, for Thanksgiving time. Wow. The numbers keep climbing. Nice to see you. Hello. <laughs> uh, I read this in the wall street journal yesterday. Do you pick your relatives up at the airport? Are you good person or are you a good person? Or are you evil person? Aww. Apparently the wall street journal says no one should pick you up at the airport. And I know, Hey, before you get all upset about it, Hear me out here, okay? Depending on what city you live in, depending on the type of airport that you're dealing with, the traffic that you're dealing with, picking being picked up at the airport is different for different people. But obviously, my brother, when he flies in from Kansas City, it's like an hour ride from Kansas City to the farm, and there really aren't a lot of cars that are going to go there. My mother-in-law, who we're picking up at the airport in St. Louis tomorrow, I don't think there's any Ubers that are going to drive two hours from St. Louis to Jefferson City to go get her. So we have to deal with that, right? But the Wall Street Journal writes an interesting piece. Their POV is, no one should pick you up at the airport. And here's what they say. They say, you want to be a hero this holiday season? Get yourself home from the airport. The airport pickup, a sweet tradition we all remember from Die Hard 2, has become a heavy obligation in an era of travel and traffic stress. Your parents say they don't mind coming to get you, but 
They planned the Thanksgiving menu, hauled out the folding folding chairs, peeled potatoes, and procured the pumpkin pie. They have to brave the airport's busiest days too? Question mark. They ask. For us, it's not just the folding chairs, but we also have the little folding trays. You know what I'm talking about? The folding trays. Do you guys do the folding tray thing for your Thanksgiving as well? You basically have this pile, this mound of food. Uh, on top of like these little tiny trays and if anybody just bumps the little tv tray then it just sends turkey and stuffing and gravy all over the place cranberry sauce all over the place but uh yeah do you get uh (laughs) do you guys do the whole thanksgiving tv trays that's an interesting question i'd love to hear your thoughts send us a text at 573-319-1586 um Let's see. Uh, Okay, moving on here. For the traveler, an airport pickup can feel like magic. Yes, it does, right? You stroll off the plane, your roller bag is whizzing along behind you. There's mom or dad or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whoever waiting to pick you up. Now, consider what they went through to get there, right? There's a slog through traffic snarls, right? And perpetually under construction roadways, the death-defying mergers to get to the airport. Then there's the purgatorial wait in the cell phone parking lot until they get confirmation that your flight landed. Oh, hold on. The plane is circling again 15 more minutes. Now the gate is blocked. Uh, Did anybody bring a granola bar? And then you're finally off the plane and it's time to pull off to the curb. No sooner does mom or dad break than, than the airport traffic warden is whistling at her to keep on moving or risk a ticket. The ones at the airports in Florida are the worst, right? Have you ever picked anybody up or like dropped anybody off? Uh, at the Orlando airport, and I'm pretty sure the one in Tampa is also pretty terrible. But if you fly into Orlando or Tampa, and if you're picking someone up from those airports, the traffic attendants there are like little fascists, right? Anyways, why am I singing Nazi songs? Don't sing those. Austin, don't sing those. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about? What airports, are there other airports that are like this as well, where it's like, as soon as you pull up, they have like a traffic attendant who's watching you and is just like, get out of here, circle around. And you just keep circling endlessly and endlessly. Please, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been through this no, and it's horrible. God! No, God, please, no, no. It's terrible. No. Right, the no. airport traffic wardens. Am I am I right or am I right? Am I right? Am I right? So, you know, passenger loads at many North American airports are at or beyond the 2019 levels, right? So before COVID-19. And then there's the competition for the curb space. You're trying to pull in to the spot and the arrivals and the departures, and it's intense. And you got Ubers and lifts everywhere. You're trying to vie for space with taxis and limos, right? And then of course there's the airport construction. The airport construction projects, right? That's going to mess with you, right? If you're in San Diego, Salt Lake City, or San Francisco, it's some of the worst going on right now. At JFK in New York, they've got their one of their biggest terminals is under construction right now. So, and then the Van Wyck Expressway, one of the main arteries for getting to JFK. When I lived in New York, I never flew out of JFK. I hated JFK, and I have, I always have like a little bit of a whatever. Somebody's like, oh, flying to JFK. Here's the thing. This is my opinion, okay? And I know a lot of New Yorkers are going to disagree with me. And if you live in Brooklyn, obviously, it's a little different. But do not fly into JFK if you have a choice. If you can fly, if you're flying into New York City, 
Definitely don't do New Jersey. Stay away from New Jersey. No, no to New Jersey. No New Jersey. No JFK. I'm telling you the secret. Don't sleep on LaGuardia Airport. The next time you're traveling to New York City and you're getting a, a nice slice of pizza, you you listen to what Augie P has to say. Listen to your to your uncle Augie. Okay, go to LaGuardia. All right, fly into LaGuardia and get a cab from LaGuardia to Manhattan for whatever event you're going to that night to see a Broadway show or whatever it is that you're going to do. Hey, what's up? Uh, Luigi Valentino. Nice to see you, brother. I love seeing all the new names and faces. Please introduce yourself. I love the MAGA hat 2024 uh, memes that you're sharing there, bud, with Donald Trump's mugshot. That's awesome. Uh, if you're here joining us for the first time today, make sure you click like and subscribe. We welcome all MAGA people, of course, to the Wake Up America show. We are libertarians here, so I guess you might say we're MAGA adjacent. We're like the Javier Malays, uh, if you will. Uh, and we're going to talk to Jack Hunter today at 8.30 about some of the similarities and dissimilarities between Donald Trump and Javier Malay, which should be interesting. But anyways, right now I'm talking about why you should get a cab from the airport and don't make your family members pick you up. I'm not saying saying you have to do it. And I know many of you are like, because it's obviously so nice to have your family members come and pick you up. Listen, I love I love it. I'm a hypocrite. I would want to get picked up from the airport too. But we do put our family members and loved ones through hell to come and get us there when we could just instead of them having to do a two way trip, we could just do the one way trip with the cab. Uh, so it's up to you, obviously, right? But uh, I love the the way that this Wall Street Journal article finishes here, where they talk about the uh, giving an airport ride is a classic early stage romance move, right? If you just started dating somebody, and it's a setup for initial disappointment, as Billy Crystal's Harry asserts to Meg Ryan's Sally, and when Harry met Sally. Eventually, things move on and you don't take someone to the airport. And I never wanted anyone to say to me, how come you never take me to the airport anymore? Right? Anybody remember that movie when Harry met Sally? Yes. Yes. Right? Yes, you deserve someone who picks you up from the airport, as United Airlines, uh, Airlines posted online recently. But you're just someone, you're someone that loves you, deserves even more. Seize your power and let them off the hook this year and every year. Set a new expectation. A cold drink waiting for you when the cab drops you at home. What do you think? Are you going to make your relatives pick you up from the airport this year? Are you going to pick up your relatives from the airport this year? All right. Elon Musk sues Media Matters. Let's talk politics. Let's talk turkey at Thanksgiving. Camilla Peterson is going to join us live when we get back. I'll be back in two shakes of a turkey's tail. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Turkey Week. Happy Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? You know what I'm thankful for? Rumble.com featuring us on the front page. Yo, what's up, thousands of people? How's my makeup look? Click the like button and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here on the show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. You can join us here and get informed about what's happening in the world of economic freedom and personal liberty. That's what we're all about here. This week, though, we'll have a little different schedule, obviously, for Turkey Day. Gobble, gobble. We'll be gone Thursday and Friday back next Monday. So I don't want you to forget about us for Brown Friday. You know what I'm saying? When we're gone, hit that like and subscribe so you can come back and join us. And you won't forget that I'm AP for Liberty pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. AP for Liberty, including right here on Rumble where we stream the show live. And we're grateful for Rumble for featuring us on the front page today. 
When you watch the Wake Up America show, you'll see that we have some regular guests. One person that I'm extremely thankful for, one of my best friends, maybe if I could count my best friends on both hands, and I do have a lot of friends, but not a lot of best friends. I would say that this next friend is joining us as a best friend, and I would call her an indexed finger for sure. She's joining us live right now for her regular Tuesday, Thursday appearance, Camelia Peterson. Yo, what's up, CJ? Uh, lots to be thankful for, and I am very thankful for you and for your show for what you're doing here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Camelia. I think our listeners are also grateful as well. Can we give it up for CJ in the chat? Can we get some love? <laughs> For the lovely Camelia Peterson, we're glad to have you here, Camelia. What is this background here that we have back there? What is it? it looks like a like a like a sulfurous fart. <laughs> uh, we are not talking about Brown Friday. Um, so <laughs> no. Uh, so one of the other uh, people, things I'm thankful for is Elon Musk, and so he had his rocket launch the other day, and just amazing images that come out of that, and it just is. You know, when you look at history and you see these these giants, you know, in advancement, you know, that whether it's Da Vinci or whoever, I'm like Elon Musk is one of those. I mean, history will look back on the things that he did and, and what a time to be alive. It's amazing. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Camelia, the um, Elon Musk question that we brought you on here for today deals with his battle with media matters. Um, I know you're a little bit newer to the um, uh, political activist scene. I'll tell you, for I, I have hated Media Matters for years. My first contact with them came um, about 10 to 12 years ago when I was working at a, an institution called the Atlas Foundation. And I I was just a little young neophyte libertarian. I had no idea about like how media organizations did hit pieces and things. And so I'm working at the foundation. I get this phone call from an institute that, you know, pretends to be like a real journalistic outf outfit. They start asking me questions about my job and things like that. And they seem totally nice and, and fine. But then I realized that after a while that they're asking me like really serious, deep questions about my place of business. And then I get suspicious. They're writing a hit piece about the group and where mm. we're getting our funding. And they're, they're citing me as a source. And I'm embarrassed and I'm stupid and I've learned my lessons. But Elon Musk is now suing this outfit, which I love to hear. Why are they suing him? What is this battle over? Can you lay out the chess pieces for us? Well, they're suing him because they're saying that, uh, I mean, one of the things that I think X had committed to was that they're somehow in their algorithm that, you know, advertisers that their content would not be shown next to, um, you know, terrible content like racist content or comments or things like that because they you know advertisers didn't want to be associated with that but obviously you can't control for everything um but what media matters did is they came in and they created an alternate account and then they um they curated the posts and the advertising that appeared on their accounts timeline to misinform advertisers about the placement of their posts and they basically um they created a false um, situation that would never normally happen. And when they once they curated that that field, 
um, or their feed, they repeatedly refreshed their timeline so that they could find a rare instance of ads serving next to the content that they chose to follow. And so, you know, obviously Elon Musk and X and Linda Yaharina, they can look at the data on this and the data shows this. Like, I don't know how Media Matters thought that they could get away with this, but the data shows specifically what they did and of 5.5 billion ad impressions on X that day, less than 50 of the total ad impressions were served against all the organic content featured in that Media Matters article. And so uh, Elon Musk has said, as soon as the courts open on Monday, you know, I'm suing you because as a result of what Media Matters did, all of these major companies hold their advertising. And so, I, I mean, it's, that was pretty huge. So what I first, what first caught my eye was um, Chris Pavlovsky with Rumble um, had quote tweeted Elon Musk. And he said, when I said the cavalry is coming, I was not joking. Um, he said in the coming days, we are going thermonuclear as nuclear as well. And everyone is about to witness the greatest pushback against the censorship regime. Um, he said people support for the organizations in this mission is critical. And I think that, you know, Rumble had committed, I think, $250,000 in advertising uh, in the coming uh, months. And so did the Babylon Bee. And so they're rallying around them. But one of the things that Elon Musk kind of closed out with this is that, um, as we've seen in some parts of the world, when free expression is taken away, it is very dangerous and hard to get back. Uh, that's why the people who came before us so fought so hard to protect that. So, you know, he's and, you know, I know lots of people had questions about Linda Yaccarino whenever she started. And there was like, oh, she's got all these associations with, I don't know, whatever organizations. Right. Um, but she has been good on this. And she posted last night. She said, if you know me, you know, I'm committed to truth and fairness. And she said, here's the truth. Not one single authentic user on X saw IBM's, Comcast, or Oracle's ads next to that content in the Media Matters article. And only two users saw Apple's ad next to the content, at least one of which was Media Matters. So she said, data wins over manipulation or allegations. She's like, don't be, don't be manipulated, stand with X. So I mean, you're like, these are all of these companies, you know, IBM, Contacts, uh, Comcast, Oracle, uh, Apple, uh, these are all the companies that are now pulling their advertising as a result of this. So this is big. So it's really, um, I mean, good for Elon, like, and good for the orgs that are standing up with him and pushing back because this is how it should work. So you stand up, you're standing with Elon on this one. I know some people might say, oh, well, this is just advertisers practicing their free speech, but you think that media matters behavior is malign and actionable? Sure. I mean, what it, it, it is intentionally, it's like slander in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? So they are intent, they intentionally went out of their way to um to create a scenario that would produce a harmful outcome uh, for X. It was targeted, it was intentionally. I would consider something like that an attack. Um now, do those companies have the right to pull their advertising? Of course, you know, um, so be it. But I think this is where what's happening, what we see happening right now uh, comes into play in the pushback against this from other organizations that support free speech. Um, and that's what happens. And also, you know, we've seen it with Bud Light and a number of other things, Target and whatever. And I think that now people can push back too and vote with their dollars. I love to see it. God bless it. Amen. We're talking to 
Camelia Peterson this morning on the Wake Up America show. She joins us every Tuesday and Thursday. I imagine for the 1,000 of you who are watching, not the 132 on the end, who are our regulars, for the 1,000 of you who are here right now for the very first time, you're probably wondering who we are. I'm Austin Peterson, the host of the Wake Up America show. This is my friend Camelia, and she joins us every Tuesday and Thursday here on the show at 8 a.m. Central Time. Obviously, we'll be gone this Thursday, coming Thursday for Thanksgiving, but she does join us for that regular appearance. And if you like Camellia's content, make sure you put a calendar note and remind yourself, hey, Camellia's on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. I don't want to miss those. Of course, you should be watching every show, uh, right? Don't forget to click like and subscribe so you won't forget who we are. And you'll be able to come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're talking to Camellia a little bit about the battle that Elon Musk is engaged in with now Media Matters, but also he's been having conflict with the ADL as well. The left is really declaring, declaring full-blown war against Twitter. It's good to see that um, the uh, the CEO of Rumble.com has stepped in. As one of our friends over on the live stream, Ashley Ann 8, has said, Tim Cast also committed to ad space That's on right. X as well. So the cavalry really is coming, but um, the revenue is down 60%. I mean, Twitter is in real danger, is it not? For sure. And you know, it's like the left is... They're a mess anymore. And I think a lot of it has come out of um, this Israel-Gaza, this Israel-Hamas conflict. And they it, it seems like they're they're split and they don't know which way to go. And they want to cry, you know, racism, but then they also are being racist. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they seem to be a, a, a real mess right now because you've got, I mean, you've got John Fetterman, of all people, who is one of the staunchest defenders of Israel right now. And like the, it's like the tables have been turned and it's fascinating to watch. It's it, the whole Israel Gaza thing has actually, I think, created a gigantic realignment in politics writ large, uh, especially with the libertarian movement as well. It's been interesting to see people's responses to this and how people have come down on one line or another. You can text the show today at 573-319-1586. Our friend Ashley, she texted in and said that Billy, her six-year-old, wants to say hi. He loves that you talk hi, to him Billy. when we watch. Good morning, Billy. Everybody say good, good morning. morning, Billy. <laughs> good morning, Billy. See, that's, Camelia, that's why I try and like, you know, I go, I hit that beep when there's the curse words and things like that, because I do know that. <laughs> Parents like to have their kids listen. I try and keep it PG to PG-13 as much as I can, although sometimes the topics do dwell uh, in the realm of the a little bit more uh, R-rated. So I, so, I just want to know, does, does does Billy's mom and dad sing the song to him, can she bake a cherry pie, Billy boy, Billy boy? <laughs> nerd, 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 nerd. I, I highly doubt it. Hey, what was your reaction to the election of Javier Malay down in Argentina? Oh my gosh, like the, I just, I happened to catch something the instant that kind of came down and I was so excited because our friend Alejandro uh, Canosa that we've known from uh, Twitter and, you know, your circles for a few years now, uh, he uh, immigrated from Argentina. And so he obviously knows a lot about this and he's written articles for the Libertarian Republic. You know, I mean, I think it was two years ago, kind of following the rise of Javier Malay and it just, you know, it was exciting then, and it was promising to to have this figure come out who was kind of this rock star, you know, anarcho-capitalist libertarian. And uh, you just never, I mean, you 
who knows how far he would go. And the fact that he's gotten this far and actually won the presidency is just wild. Um, it's so funny though, because I was telling my daughter Felicity that when that happened and she was, she was excited. She's done some stuff for speech and debate that's covered that issue. And she said, well, she said, that's really good. It's really exciting. She's like, I still think he looks like an emo middle schooler. <laughs> <laughs> because of his hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very funny. I wonder what our listeners think of Javier Malay. Send us a text 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. We'd love to hear from our listeners on that one. Boy, I know that we do have a lot of purity tests in the liberty movement, Camelia. But it's been interesting to see uh, – I saw that the Ron Paul Institute, for example, Daniel McAdams ostensibly wrote a piece yesterday how uh, Javier Malay is not the great white hope of of libertarianism. He's not going to save – people are already – libertarians in the United States are already attacking him for not being pure libertarian enough. Oh, he gave a speech at the, uh, the, at the WEF once, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some people are never going to be happy, are they? No, like this is why you keep losing. Like this is this is why we can't have nice things in the liberty movement because uh -huh. you can't be happy when you get an actual win. I mean, for Pete's sake, the mayor of Wichita that won. I mean, you know, the the LP is trying to, you know, claim this victory and everything, but they had nothing to do with her race or her win. She won on her own merits and she ran as a libertarian, but she didn't run because of any affiliation with the LP and because she did things, you know, the, the right way, which is what, you know, the LP can't seem to manage, uh, probably because of all the purity testing and infighting. But no, it's, you know, nobody's ever going to be happy. And the thing is, is I remember talking to Spike Cohen when in the 2020 election and he was running as VP and he was the best thing to come out of that race, by the way. Um, but I remember talking to him when I first met him and he, 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 I, what I liked about Spike is he was very pragmatic about his anarchism because he flat out said he was like, I know that if I did get in there that, you know, all of these things, all of these agencies that we want to end, all of these things that we want to get rid of, he was like, that's not going to happen even in my lifetime. I mean, so he understands the practicality of it, that you don't just unring that bell overnight, even in the, the first day, let alone the first year or the first four years of getting into office. But people are just not... They think that you just can go in there and, and snap their fingers and do that because all because you're a libertarian and you get into office and it doesn't work that way. It's going to be the same way for Malay. He's going to have to get in there. He's going to have to create coalitions and he's not going to get everything he wants right away. It's going to take time. If you're just tuning in to the show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Camelia Peterson joining us now live. Click like and subscribe to the channel to have a little bit more fun in your life every day, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Central here on the Wake Up America show at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. Camelia, uh, I knew that we were going to find one topic that was going to make you blush. New dating phenomenon proves traditional relationships are over. What is this story? So, okay, this is from, was this from Bumble, right? Bumble. This, but yeah, it was from Bumble. Okay, it was, it was from the dating app. So I guess, you know, they did a, a poll or a study. And so, you know, talked about how that only 23% of these people who are, are using Bumble are actively seeking out marriage as a goal. And that, 
you know, most people are not using the dating app as um, a search for traditional marriage or traditional relationships. Um, and one of the things they said was that Bumble was, and you know, no wonder because it, they flat out say that they were built on the concept that traditional gender roles are outdated and no longer serve us in modern society. <laughs> like, <laughs> of and course, that's what you're that? going to get. <laughs> well, do I think that there has definitely been a shift in what people are looking for um, in online dating? Sure. Do I think there's been a shift? in what we see in terms of traditional marriage? Sure. Um, I think there's probably a lot of different reasons for that that we've talked about before. But I mean, you know, dating apps set up these these false expectations. And it just is, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what you expect because women, um, I mean, basically it's a women's marketplace, right? (laughs) Not anymore. Ladies, new data has revealed women are sick of the constant pressure to follow traditional relationship timelines, with one in three now stating they're, quote, no longer focused on achieving the societal milestones. The findings show women are, quote, pushing back and are instead prioritizing finding the right partner instead of rushing to hit, quote, outdated goals, Um, setting themselves up for failure, possibly, Camelia. Sure. And one of the things that was interesting to me in this article, too, is it said that um, 30 percent, 32 percent of singles focused on emotional intimacy over physical intimacy, um, stating that they were looking for safety and security when dating. And then they talked about this whole thing about open hearted masculinity, which was interesting and that's fine. It says one in four men said that they actively changed their behavior when dating, becoming more vulnerable and open with people that they're, you know, romantically pursuing than ever before. And it kind of brought to mind, I was listening to, um, I was listening to something on YouTube just the beginning of it the other day that was talking about this romantic age that we've kind of come into in the last, I don't know, 100, 200 years and how that marriage used to be very utilitarian in a lot of ways. Like you didn't you married for very practical reasons. Um, Romanticism wasn't a large part of it. And I think that, you know, we've moved into this romanticism that has. Uh, I mean, yes. Do we all want the choice in who we marry? Of course. Does anybody like arranged marriages? No, you want to have that choice. But we people also do like arranged this- marriages. Actually, I, I, the more I hear about arranged marriages around the world and how well those marriages work out, the more I think that might actually be a model we <laughs> might want to try and import. Maybe I guess it depends on who's doing the arranging and what the the reasons well, are. The but... Listen, if every single time a guy like I don't know, you probably have not seen many of these videos. You 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 said you'd claim you stopped watching red pill content, but now <laughs> but now it's common to see women recording men surreptitious surreptitiously while they're hitting on them while they're getting hitting on uh, getting hit on, and the men like yeah sometimes they're a little awkward, right? Or maybe they're not like, you know, really great at it. They say something a little silly or stupid or whatever They're but they're not being creepy, but it's like, like, and now women are complaining that when men aren't approaching them, asking them to date. So it's like you obviously, women have also destroyed the three places that you would normally meet a woman, the workplace. You can't do that now. The gym, 
you can't do that now. And what's what was my third one? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I had it. I had bars? in the back of my mind. Uh, no bars, <laughs> but I mean, there's like another there's like another like common area where like most people meet would would be in the past. I had it off the top of my head, but I lost it. Um, but still, think about it, like the gym if you like the gym is like a great place or at least it would have been a great place to meet people because there you share similar values right there you know that you're you know you're if you're going to meet somebody at the gym they both you both care about your health at least at work it would be a great place to meet because you know that you have similar interests similar co career path perhaps right and, and so now since you can't meet at work and you can't you can't meet at the gym and whatever that third common place is that I've forgotten. Church. Like, I mean, a lot of people I meet mean, at church. They, they honestly, I'm hearing from a lot of my Christian friends. They say that like, it's slim pickings that like you say, it's a woman's world. It's a woman's like pick, like men are not going to church as much and, and women as women right. are. And the women that are there are either married or they're elderly or they're freaks. I mean, like when I say freaks, they're just kind of like goofy, you know? And, and so it's like, a lot of the men don't, they're not looking for opportunities there. A lot of men have just given up approaching women because uh, the women have poisoned the well. Am I wrong? No, I think it's truly unfortunate because it's not all women are like that, but because I, I think because of social media, um, it, it very much looks like that almost all women are like that because we see it so much. And when men see this on social media so much and they see other men being embarrassed and shamed or whatever else and all of these things, nobody wants to, nobody wants to take the chance of having that done to them publicly. So it makes them gun shy. Totally understand that. Um, you know, Arranged I think marriages. women have got, <laughs> Maybe I think, well, you know, this, this in, in our age of romanticism, I think that, you know, we, we, um, made some mistakes, like there's some good to it, but we've made some mistakes in how we look at love and relationships. And there's just been this idea that everyone has a soulmate, a one person in the universe that's meant for you. And when you really stop to think about that, you know, really, you know, how does that work? Like, how do you find that one person in, you know, a world of billions of people that, you know, matches you know, your chemistry and your values and your personality and your humor, whatever, like that's, there's not just one person. Now I will say I probably have a little bit of an advantage in that I grew up uh, with my dad saying that stuff. <laughs> he, was like, <laughs> he was like Debbie Downer on all of this romanticism stuff, you know, but um, one of the things, by the way, in that article about Bumble that was interesting is that, um, there's been a rise in people valuing engagement on issues that matter to them. So they're talking about politics and different things like this, like right up front on the first date off the bat. And it's a trend dubbed Valcor dating, which I actually think is probably a good thing because yes, do you, do you need to like, I don't know. Do you swipe left or right if you want? I've not used this. <laughs> <laughs> swipe swipe right if you like someone. Swipe left okay. if you don't. So like if you see somebody's a Trump supporter, you're immediately swiping left or whatever. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, is that good? Not necessarily. But also I think this idea that you can have a productive, long lasting relationship with someone who does not share your values is also a mistake. So I think you, it is important. But maybe for to women have too many values, and they just need to allow <laughs> their husband to lead, right? They just wait, wait, need wait, to... wait. I thought it was that women didn't have any values anymore. I thought that was the problem. 
Well, I don't know. See, uh, the the chat is talking about club girls are saying meet a girl at the disco. I, I'm even seeing videos these days. My YouTube is recommending me these videos I'm watching about men saying don't go to the club. It's far too expensive. And you're not going to meet the type of girl that like you really want to you know start a lifelong relationship with at the club. Will Run Riot, he agrees with me. He's a fellow Missouri boy. He says that he uh, DJed raves and clubs for years, spent my fair share of time with those types of women those are for fun not for the future um interesting i wonder what our listeners think uh quest fading says go ahead i was gonna say that kind of brings up the double standard we always talk about you know girls are for fun not for marriage but yet you want those girls to uh not have been the fun girls i think it's okay i I think it's fine i think listen uh, listen there should there's there's going to be double standards um and i think that that has to exist we're going to have to accept double standards you know and, and i and i I know that it's, it sounds like hypocritical or what have you, but as I get older and I kind of understand how things work, you're, we're never going to change society's mentality uh, towards men that sees men as disposable. Men will never just be born with value and we think that they're beautiful and lovely and we're going to love them unconditionally. Men will never have unconditional love. That is never going to happen. And I don't care if you're going to stand outside in the rain crying, you know, for the plight of the poor men, because of the fact that we will be drafted into wars, because of the fact that we will have to work in dangerous jobs, uh, we will always be seen as disposable. And it will always be women and children first, if the Titanic goes down, that's just how it's going to be. So if that is the double standard that society will impose upon us, and that that we have to accept women are going to have to accept that men are going to go out and sow their wild oats and they're going to have to be a little and they're going to have to accept the hypocrisy of the fact that if women are smart they will hold themselves back from going out and you know how do i say this without getting us in trouble um avoid dating lots and lots of men it's a double standard camellia you might not like it but accept it uh, I, I'm a little stubborn. <laughs> so here's the thing. The, the other day, maybe a couple of days ago, it was International Men's Day. So, you know, I've been doing this thing where I'm posting things that I'm grateful for on Twitter. And um, on International Men's Day, I'm not much in on designated days per se, but I um, would then and would like to now express my appreciation and gratitude for men and all of their rightful masculinity because uh, and men should be men however that <laughs> seems best to them and so you know uh, ignore the toxic feminists don't let anybody put you into societal like <laughs> a box of societal expectations so here's what i think we need we need more men that are focused on their own well-being um we need more men's spaces Self-care. and we need more men mentoring boys and we need Fewer women telling men how to be men. Also See, this is why we men. love Camellia. <laughs> I know that the people who are watching the show this morning are like, damn, she's not only is she uh, intelligent, but she's beautiful as well. That's Camellia Peterson, who joins us every Tuesday and Thursday on the show. We won't see her on Thursday because we're taking the day off. Don't be too sad. We'll see her again next Tuesday. Camellia, anything else you want to share before we let you go? No, just that I am thankful for all of you and for this community. And I hope you all have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Camelia. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. We're very grateful for you and all the time that you dedicate to this program. We appreciate you. Have a great day, everyone. Have a great day. Oh, boy. What do you think of Camelia Peterson? Wasn't she great? Give her a round of applause. Send us a text at 573-319-1450. 
1586. When we get back, Jack Hunter asks the question, why does the media keep calling Javier Malay far right? Talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show. Thank you very much to the 800 people who are very patient with us this morning as we solve some technical challenges behind the scenes. We appreciate you very much. If you've been enjoying the content of the show this morning, we're grateful to have you here. Click the like button and subscribe to the channel so that you can get updates when we go live here at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. The Wake Up America show streams every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. And we'd love to have you come back here and join us. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. And so does my next guest, who's here to talk about the far right candidate for president of Argentina who just won his election, Javier Millet. What does far right mean? Is he Trump-like? What is this all about? Let's talk to my next guest, Jack Hunter, who's joining me live via phone and video these days. It's like it's 1999 or something up in here. What's up, Jack? <laughs> Good to be with you, Austin, even under these circumstances. I'm glad to have you here, uh, Jack. Hey, can I just get your big picture reaction? How did you feel about the election of Javier Millet overall? I thought it was great. You know, nobody's perfect, but I'm a libertarian. You're a libertarian. I suspect much of your audience are libertarian sympathetic at a minimum. Um, here's a guy who's an Austrian economist, uh, you know, calls himself an anarcho-capitalist, certainly a libertarian, broadly speaking. And he's the first libertarian in world history, at least at that level, who's a president of a state. He's a head of state. So that's a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. But not everybody agrees with us. So obviously, the media was, were freaking out, trying to assign him all of these labels. And I saw that people were saying, oh, it's such a gamble to take on Javier Malay. And I, I think probably the most realistic critic, criticism that I might have heard, or at least just kind of like a wait and see uh, mentality that I heard from some people in our camp was just like, okay, so the thing is now is that we have, because libertarianism is tied to this success, which is nice, but also we're unfamiliar with this concept, <laughs> um, is that now we have to hope that he does well, because if he crashes and burns, it might reflect on all of us. Do you think that's fair? I think it's fair that if he calls himself a libertarian and will actually implement libertarian policies and they sink or swim that, yeah, we, I believe this stuff because I think it's right. I think free markets work. I think individual liberty works. I think sound money works. So if he wants to implement that and it improves the situation for the everyday Argentinian, yeah, hey, guess what? This is what we believe, and we're right, and look. And if it doesn't, then maybe we need to rethink what we believe. Yeah, I, I'm not scared of this at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to rethink what I believe. If, if the facts don't align with my beliefs, then I'm willing to reconsider things over time. I've, I've done that. I, you know, I always uh, consider myself uh, open-minded and willing to challenge even my most deeply held beliefs. I do have my principles and my cornerstones. But for the most part, I think you know, all bets are off and we should always be able to reevaluate, um, which, you know, I think makes us, you know, keeps our, our minds fresh rather than sort of stuck in old ways of thinking. But Javier Malay, pure down the line libertarian from everything that I have seen. Uh, and but yet the media calls him far right. Do you think that's an apt uh, moniker? What do you think? I think that's 
I almost said a bad word I shouldn't say on the radio. I think that's absolutely stupid. <laughs> when you call things far right, you're talking about like Nazis and the KKK. Uh, you could, I'm fine with the term hard right. Like my former boss, Rand Paul, is hard right. He's a hardcore, small government libertarian, and he's hardcore about that. Far right means you're an extremist of some sort. The way I read that, Austin, when I hear the mainstream media or mainstream politicians portray Malay as far right, is, well, we are the mainstream. We believe in state control. We believe in the government controlling everything. We believe in centralization. And you can have a left-wing version of that or a right-wing version of that. But if you're getting away from that, by God, you're far right. That's crazy. You want individuals and private institutions and the private sector to try to work things out? Oh, that's so right-wing and far right. It's absolutely stupid. True far right, like I said, is referring to things like Nazis or something like that. There's no individualism or, or liberty in that. You're a collective. They were the national socialists. On top of being murder, mass murderers, they were national socialists. Um, that's the media being irresponsible, not being able to understand the intricacies of right or left and the difference in different parts of right or left, if that makes sense. I mean, to them, you know, your average libertarian who might vote right is the same as some super social conservative that's not libertarian. They don't know. And, and, you know, we do that on the right as well. We see Bernie Sanders is the same as Joe Biden, and that's not necessarily true either. So, yeah, it's really stupid. And Malay is he is on the right. But he's not far right in what that usually means. Right. They're trying to kind of like portray him as some kind of fascist. Um, I like Barney Stiles' comment over in the Rumble chat this morning. He says, if if it fails, we could just say that that wasn't real libertarianism. <laughs> right. Right. Well, tr true communism, true socialism, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Our commenters over on Rumble are really sharp this morning, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So thank you to Rumble.com for featuring our show this morning so I can introduce more and more people to my good buddy jack hunter who's joining us live right now jack and i've known each other for a very long time and like he said he is a former Rand paul staffer uh and he's been in the movement for a very long time we're glad to have him here this morning so jack uh what about the comparisons to donald trump uh is javier Millet like donald trump well he he is in, in a lot of ways but not the ways that uh, he's been associated with by the mainstream press. So Donald Trump is a cult of personality. I don't even say that like it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, Ron Paul is one of my heroes. He was a cult of personality. Um, but Donald Trump is brash. Um, you know, he has a, a loyal following because of that. And Malay is similar in that way. But as far as their policies, Malay is far closer to Ron Paul than Donald Trump. And I'm not that's not even a disparaging Trump. There's things I like about Trump. There's things I don't like about Trump. But there's a whole lot I like about Ron Paul. And Malay is pretty similar to him. I would have to search out disagreements between Ron Paul and Malay is what I'm saying. And I could tell you readily five things maybe Trump and Malay disagree on. But I will say this. You notice what, that when Malay won, he's the next president-elect of Argentina, Donald Trump immediately congratulated him. Vivek Ramaswamy immediately congratulated him. No other Republican in the presidential primary immediately congratulated him, certainly no Democrat. So if that gives you an indication of where he's at and what he might do, I, th I think it's a good thing, a positive thing from our perspective, at least, Austin. I hope probably much of your audience.
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my audience is, you know, uh, they 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 might consider themselves far right, but they don't think about that as Nazis. They just think that they're not like the conservative establishment like it is in Washington, D.C. Uh, and uh, you, you brought up Vivek Ramaswamy, which I'm really actually curious to hear your thoughts about him as well. But I, I want to get to that in a moment. You also brought up Ron Paul and how Javier Malay is like Ron Paul. I thought the same way, but I saw yesterday that the Ron Paul Institute says that, that, the, that Javier Malay is not the great libertarian hope they seem skeptical of him i saw that and you know D dr paul himself doesn't necessarily control his all of his social media and i'm friends and consider myself an ally of everybody over there um malay is very pro-israel and um you know you and i might even have a disagreement on what's going on over there right now and we don't need to get into that in our short time but um i don't think that's a disqualifier for you know oh, I'm, for sound money i like ludwig von mises and frederick hayek and uh you know in argentina for the last 100 years as malay put it in his acceptance speech um socialism has wrecked his country and so, you know, Donald Trump was a disruptor in our country. I think Vivek Ramaswamy would be a disruptor. Ron Paul certainly would have been a disruptor as president. Malay in Argentina is a disruptor. He's like, y'all been doing socialism? We're going to do a 180. We're going to do free market, individual liberty, capitalism. This is what that looks like. And let's sink or swim, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so in, in regards to foreign policy and what some might say, is Argentina running around the globe, intervening in countries and starting wars and stuff like that? the United States. So like, what are we even talking about? No, it doesn't make much sense to me. But I mean, honestly, I find myself at odds with the Ron Paul Institute quite frequently these days, because it does seem that they take a very pro Russian line on things and a very, you know, anti-American view on things, even when it's it seems as if the United States is acting even in its own self-defense. But I mean, we don't have to talk about that in this time. But I mean, I think it just kind of shows writ large that there is obviously in the libertarian movement an inside joke of like, oh, they're not libertarian enough. They're not libertarian enough. But I mean, like if Javier Malay is not libertarian enough, Jack, I mean, are any of us really? Uh, no, I, I agree with you. Look, we, every year we vote for a Democrat or Republican, and none of them are libertarian enough. Yeah. I mean, that's just the fact of life. We vote for LP, and I have many times, including the last three elections. Um, we argue about whether they're libertarian enough. What are we talking about here? I'm a libertarian because I think libertarian solutions are the best solutions in most situations. I am not enough of an ideologue that I think, oh, if this person's not 1,000% libertarian, I'm not going to support them. I think that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things in the short time we have on Earth. No, I agree, Jack. We've got to have a bigger tent approach to solve these problems. It's not to say that like John Bolton probably doesn't qualify, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think Javier Malay definitely does. Yes. So somewhere in between there, I think we've got to find a little balance. Uh, uh, there is this kind of this tendency to associate that anything that's pro-American or uh, uh, that's anti-Hamas uh, terrorists as neoconservative. But I mean, I think that there is an intellectual argument to be made that you you may not want the United States to be involved militarily or financially in that conflict, but you can say, well, I definitely think that Israel has the right to defend themselves and I can pick a side in that conflict and be on the side of the Israelis without necessarily being a neocon, right? You can. Um, I'm pro-life. That counts for human beings in the womb and outside the womb. And I think Israel had every right to defend itself. And I don't think what Israel's doing in Gaza right now is defensible. 
Okay. Well, I mean, we can uh, discuss that another time, Jack. I know you've got really uh, uh, hardcore views on foreign policy, and I, I definitely want to uh, uh, get into them at another time. But I'd actually be more curious to hear your thoughts now about the young Vivek Ramaswamy, who has really impressed me, wants to fire a million federal employees. He kind of reminds me of like the Javier Malay of the United States, if you will. <laughs> uh, do you like what you've heard from Ramaswamy? I do. Um, the reasons when he has these exchanges with Nikki Haley in the mainstream media is like, Nikki Haley won that exchange. I'm like, everybody watching thinks Vivek Ramaswamy won that exchange, you yeah. elite idiots. Um, he, <laughs> like I said earlier, he's a disruptor. That's what we need as much as anything. That could be left, right. It could be things we agree with, things we disagree with. But there is an establishment in Washington, D.C. There's an establishment in our media. And their job is this is how things are. And they serve elite interests. They serve establishment interests. You want people who are going to blow that up. Vivek Ramaswamy is one of them. I like most of what I heard on his policy positions, not all of them. I think sometimes I disagree with him, but like we were talking earlier, 70, 80 percent, I agree with what he says. I would love to see him be the VP for Trump. If Trump's going to be the nominee, it looks that way right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but him and Trump to a degree, I've kind of given up on DeSantis myself at this point. Um, yeah, Nikki Haley is – I'm from South Carolina. She was our governor. She is an imposter. She's a neocon. If you like Bush Cheney, vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, Chris Christie's <laughs> a joke. Mike Pence was trying to do that. He dropped out. There's things I liked about Tim Scott, but he dropped out. But, yeah, I think Vivek Ramaswamy is a positive force in this election cycle. I have made the pledge here on my show. I've never worn a MAGA hat, but I have said that if Donald Trump picks Vivek Ramaswamy as his vice presidential pick – I will put a MAGA hat on for the very <laughs> first time on this show. I have pledged to do so, and I know people will hold me to that promise. Um, would you vote for a Trump Vivek ticket? Well, I would, but it's and I would be glad if he picked Vivek. But I've got to be honest with you. You know, I'm approaching fifty. I've been doing this for a while. At no time in my life as an '80s kid have I ever been actually scared that World War Three might break out involving nuclear weapons. If you're looking at Joe Biden, you're looking at Donald Trump. Donald Trump, by far, it's not even a debate, is the person who would prevent World War III, and the person who would usher it in is Joe Biden. And if you can't see that, you're hopelessly partisan. Completely agree, Jack Hunter. Hey, Jack, for all of the hundreds and hundreds of people who are watching us live right now, courtesy of Rumble.com, where can people follow you? I think you've got your own Rumble channel, don't you? I do. You can find me on Rumble at the Jack Hunter, Jack Hunter 74. I think both of those searches pop up just fine. Uh, Jack Hunter 74 on Twitter. And uh, yeah, if you search those out, you can find all my material. And I appreciate it if you did. Jack Hunter and I go way back. He's been fighting for liberty for a very long time. Uh, and we're grateful to have him on the show. Make sure you follow him here on Rumble and at Twitter.com as well. We're also going to drop your links in the chat so people can find it a lot easier. Jack, thanks for being so generous with your time this morning. Hopefully next time we'll get these technical issues figured <laughs> out. You don't have to hold that phone to your face next time. We appreciate you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Austin. Thank you very much. What do you guys think of Jack Hunter? Let's give him a round of applause. What do you say? He was pretty great. All right. Well, guys, don't be upset with me because I am going to leave just a few minutes early today. Got to get some things done. Thank you for watching the show. Click like, subscribe. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We will do one more show before the Thanksgiving holiday, Thursdays and Fridays. We're going to uh, this Thursday and Friday, we're going to take off. But I want to highly urge and recommend you guys get in your orders now for coffee because it's going to be 
difficult to get things on time during the holiday season, packages flying all over the place. Get in your orders, especially for Martha's Mint, because once it's gone, it's gone. See that delicious bag of peppermint flavored coffee down there? It's not so obtrusive. It's not going to be like overflowing. It's not going to kill your face with peppermint. Just a nice little subtle subtext hint of mint in your coffee. It's delicious. Put in a little bit of chocolate sauce, maybe some schnapps if you're enjoying a, a uh, you know, a thirsty Thursday morning, right? You're starting to drink a little bit earlier. Little peppermint schnapps in your coffee. Delicious. Martha's Mint available exclusively at ap4libertyshop.com. Don't forget you get free shipping as well here in the United States. Founding Flavors Coffee, my favorite is the Painkiller Coffee there. Absolutely delicious. Colombian single origin. Thanks so much for tuning in the show. You can also find more great merchandise products, Liberty items, keychains, mugs, t-shirts, all kinds of Liberty merch at apforlibertyshop.com. So why don't you go shopping right now? Get on the interwebs, apforlibertyshop.com. And we'll see you tomorrow, one more day, with Judge Napolitano joining us on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.